Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had. And I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design, still my favorite is the built structure and interiors and years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. on Talk Design today is Rodrigo Rabaco. Now, Rodrigo is a digital artist, and we're fast moving into the space of AI and what it will change in our world. Rodrigo has really honed skin, skills on artistic design and representation of that in a digital form. You'll, as we unravel his story and stuff, you'll get to understand his passion for what he does and an incredibly fast-moving market. He's an absolute master at creating emotional journeys and then representing them but using the digital form with it. Rodrigo, thank you so much for making time to come on Talk Design with me. It will be really interesting to peel back the onion of you and understand your journey into digital design 
and how you've mastered it and where you see it's going and how it is affecting different industries from, you know, architecture, furniture design, interior design, real estate development, et cetera, et cetera. And especially because that's where you play a lot is in those zones. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Adrian. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, I'm so excited. I discovered you on Instagram, the wonderful Instagram, <laughs> and it, something caught my eye there in somebody else's feed. And I went, who did that? Because, of <laughs> course, you know, like one of the things that in architecture or in design is this blurred line. And we're, we're at that point where we're going, is that real or is that a digital? Is it you know, real or not real? Has it yeah. physically happened yet or hasn't it? And blurring, the more you blur that line and I suppose fool the viewer, not necessarily fool them, let them journey with you, yeah. the more powerful it becomes. And they're seeing the future whilst they're thinking the future's here already. Yeah, there's there's no time to create it. It's that, but they're imagining it and viewing it in that time as if it's real right then, and it is, but it's in the digital form. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> Tell me this first. Start off with you were telling me just before about your sort of journey into this, but you know, at some point you were a little kid and yeah. you were fascinated by certain things. And what were those things as a kid? Like at that childhood point what where were you living what were you brazilian what was happening and what was the fundamentals of how you went about creating things in your life yeah so everything started in my life with computers uh, and i i was a i think i was 11 or 12 and i remember my father came coming to me with a, it was a menu of a restaurant chain that he worked for yes and something that I he needed to find a freelance design or something like that. And I look at that and I said, oh, maybe I can try to create that in the computer. I can try to use what I've been looking at, at the moment. And he said, okay, that, let's try that. <laughs> just say, no, let's let, ha, let him play a little bit. And I could create something very similar to what he was looking for, just copying and yep. using the Photoshop or something. And that became something in the in the restaurant. So he found out that, okay, you want to go on holidays and work for this company, just creating the menus. And it was something very simple, but I could do it when I was young. And that's really started all the things related to graphic design. Wow. And, and it was such a, an unusual experience for a kid. But at the same time, it really, I felt that, it really started something inside me with art and with digital design. And later on, when I was 16, I, I had this opportunity to work with an architect. Uh-huh. At 16. You say later. You say later on, five years later, but you're still <laughs> just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 16, I started to work full time with this architect. Yep. And it, it was a so I'm I'm from Brazil in a and I was born in a home. A small town, town in in Rio de Janeiro. So it was such a an interesting ex experience because I had no technical abilities in terms of drawing or anything, yeah. and this architect would do everything by hand. And and 
And I was thinking about computers all the time, but he wanted to do it on the traditional way because he thought it it had something that the computer couldn't deliver. This right. more emotional side to the drawing and to take the, the, the client to this through this journey of discovering the project with him. Yes. Instead of looking at a very cold type of illustration or, or, or plan that yep. wouldn't make the, the client to emotionally connect. So I had to start from scratch, and w w which was amazing because I, I, I thought I could explore so many different areas because he had an experience with landscape design and also uh, interior designs. So he would offer a com very comprehensive solution for his clients. Like a really holistic sort of like, this is the whole piece of land. This is everything layering it in. Exactly. And he, he would even go to create some objects and uh, some lights and some things that people would definitely use for a more regional type of architecture. Yeah. And and that was really the starting point for me for this design and architect architecture world. So after two years working with him, I said, oh, maybe I could explore this. 3d thing and try to show my work present my work to him and say see if he wants to move on with this technology so so were you playing in in your spare time and everything you were just working on the computer well playing on the computer or working on the computer as well yeah. uh, but doing the job for him the way he needed it done but basically kind of doing two jobs doing one over here with the learning on the uh, on the computer and then on the other side of it doing the manual stuff that he required you to do yeah imagine I that it. adrian I, I i didn't have internet at the time at uh -huh. home <laughs> just oh, in the right. office so at home i had but it was like so yeah. slow that i couldn't Dial use up. it but <laughs> so i i spent the time the free time that i had in the office just to learn new things and to grab new things to take home and study and and develop myself so it, it was this very organic type of learning curve mm -hmm. then when he saw the drawings in 3d he started to oh wow this could be interesting this could be could help me to sell the project and and then it started. Then I started to offer this kind of service for all the clients after I left this this office. Uh -huh. And everything started with 3D visualizations. After a few years, I was hired by a company in Rio de Janeiro in the city. And everything started from there in terms of 3D. It was a big company focused in this area. So when you were doing the 3D original like visualizations and things that you were doing for him so you were was it just very basic i don't know well you tell me so were you using like you know a, a bim model like revit or archicad or what were you using to get there to create the 3ds or sketchup or something like that yeah the software was always 3ds max oh yeah i've been using it from from the yeah. beginning yeah and i mostly would see the plans the real thing and yep. copy it and 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 put it into there exactly right yeah okay. so uh, looking back I, I even i couldn't even show the type of <laughs> illustrations i was getting <laughs> from this projects and not not good at all but yeah for him at that time was really important and yeah it, 
I think, you know, like you look at tools like, say, is something as simple as SketchUp. Well, I shouldn't say as simple as SketchUp can be complex as well, but it has a very simple interface and can do some, you know, it's, I think it's a brilliant tool for, say, massing things, you know, just massing blocks and how they go together and things like that in a design sense. And then you take it so... That what you you were doing isn't necessarily massing the blocks and stuff. He was doing that, and then what you were doing is pulling them into a program that you can actually manipulate the 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 view of them, the art of them, the, how they look. Not necessarily so much manipulate the design, but manipulate the textures and the moods and the. Is am I correct there? Is that what he yeah, was doing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a great point because that that's where i really developed a a, a passion for lighting uh-huh. and for, because that that is where drama and where a more cinematic and uh, romantic romantic mm. view of of the project would arise from and and it really started to yeah i, I started to create this interest in the fundamentals of design in the fundamentals of lighting and representation then with the cinema moving forward with technology as well like pixar was really yep. growing fast at the time and all this this magic it, it really seduced me in, in incorporating that type of more romantic view into the projects, into the images and, and animations. And yeah. it's certainly that part of it is the difference between it being sort of like static and hard. And when I say hard, I want to say static and hard's not the right word. And, you know, sort of digital, when that yeah. lighting happens, and it's just like when in designing something you know we may be designing a house and we go well we're going to put a skylight in this area and Mm -hmm. we're going to not just put a square box we're going to shape the ceiling so that the light washes a certain way so that it creates these different effects during the day so if you went into the room at lunchtime it looks like one thing if you went into the room in the evening or late afternoon it would look like another with setting sun and maybe rising sun you know it it transitions and that creates a psychological journey for the well the occupant or the observer and that's something in your work that is probably that stands it apart so much as is, is there's the romance of it. You kind of get drawn in. I watch it on my, you know, phone. Um, I imagine if you were watching it on a cinema screen, what it would look like, how you would be drawn into the project yeah. um, so much more. And it, lighting is, well, as I, one of my early podcasts with Jeffrey Dungan, he said, well, really, architects, what we do is, is we take a whole lot of boxes and stick them together and try and fill them with light in the air. Exactly. And I'm like... Yeah, it's such a nice concept. <laughs> isn't it? It's so simple. that, And then that's what you're giving, having the ability to do is show this lit. And then it gets to, you know, see the different moods of different times of the day. Yeah. I think light has this way of shaping our aesthetic experience in the space and 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 in consequence of that our psychological experience so 
it's it's really it, it's been 20 years of learning for me in how to deal with light and how to use light as a language to communicate design right yeah. You know, interesting, I've got another guy on the podcast, his name's Richard Dijetsky, and he's from London, he's an architect, he does a lot with Passive House, and he studied architecture, well, I want to say in Leeds, in the UK, I may have that wrong, sorry Richard, when you listen to this, if I mm-hmm. did, but he studied it from movie, from movies, and that was a really big part of how they learned, and he's dyslexic. Like I am so, he was like, we we visually learnt it. And he said, with movies, we learnt lighting and we mm. learnt how light falls and how it defines shape and how it defines the perception of the viewer and the way they feel. And I was like blown away by the fact of, you know, he, he can rattle off every old movie that you can ever think of. And a lot with black and white as well, because it's very contrasty. And that was how they would study the form of buildings and what happens with buildings. And you go, oh, how interesting is that? Like, yeah. it's, uh, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's like the romantic, the the beauty, the the softness, the the journey, the emotional part. And light has a incredible cognitive response for us. Yeah, You know, like it cognitively shifts our mind, whether it's harsh light or soft light or low light, you know, where it's where it's positioned, at what heights. And with LED lighting, you know, we have the fact that it can shift our circadian rhythms and how we actually operate as human beings. So it's, I love the fact that, you know, the art is actually for you there's this thing of becoming an artist with light like yeah how it's projected exactly yeah the first interest area for me was how a surface would behave in the presence of different types of light and how that would affect our perception of the final image and the final material and yeah it, it, it is something that is you have so many possibilities in exploring different lights, as as you said, just by changing the size of a light and, and creating harder shadows, it will impact vastly how we look at that image, look at that animation. Yeah. yeah. Especially when we're imagining living in it or near it or viewing it. You know, you think of, <laughs> I think of on the Instagram and those sort of things, you know, the, the number of, if you, you know, did hashtag sunset <laughs> and how many billions probably of photos you would get of sunsets and <laughs> everybody is that's taken one or taken them or it might be sunrise is doing it because they've seen something of beauty exactly that's their reason for actually posting the photo there's something extraordinary about the beauty they're seeing and they want to capture that for for themselves and others, I imagine. And, uh, you know, how often a sunset will stop us in our tracks. Or I was in Santa Fe last week and about 11 o'clock at night, uh, there was a couple of a couple of us there 
and one of the guys, Peter, an architect from Baltimore, he, mm-hmm. he said, hey, do you want to go for a walk? And I went, yeah, sure. And it was like, it was cold and it was just on the verge of raining and all the rest. And walking around the city of, or not really the city, the old town of Santa Fe and photographing at mm-hmm. night because buildings and hotels and stuff were lit up. I'll share some with you. It was just, <laughs> nice. it was just amazing because the next day I went and did the same walk in the daylight and it had, you know, none of the same romance it had at night, it had a different romance, but yeah, just, just what you're saying, the very different. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that we are shaped by aesthetic. It's something that beauty is something that all everyone wants to achieve in some level in their house, in their projects, everything is about yeah. In a certain way, it's about beauty. I, I remember Roger Scruton in his documentary about how modernism changed a lot. The, the the how we how we understand beauty, and one of his arguments were was that after modernists and all the the the, the changes that happened with design and creating something that was so much more rigid and 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 without movement and forms and how that impact the cities how that he was very critical about modernism because of that (laughs) it's such an interesting documentary by him and yeah it's beauty is something that shaped the relationships how you go to a place why you go to a place and he showed that very clearly in, in some areas of the city he was born that as soon as modernism modernism started to kick in yeah. that the people would not go to that some set, set, certain areas of the city because it was not charming anymore it was not compelling aesthetically anymore so, so interesting so interesting yeah. we we were also in Tucson Arizona and we were visiting studio Rick Joy and Dust architects the two different companies there and they're both in the same area like around the corner from each other and mm. that the whole area is adobe well not i shouldn't say the whole a lot of the area is adobe and it's old and it's become it's becoming gentrified mm. as the neighborhood is and it feels it's, it's all fairly low rise so you know one two stories in fact, most of it's one story. Everything carries a certain weight because of the adobe. And the corners are always, just about always rounded. There's a flow yeah. to them. And, you know, the windows aren't necessarily large. They're often small, which is neither here nor there. But when you're in the land, in that, I wouldn't say urbanscape, it feels very... I suppose heavy, safe, not, it feels weighty, but it doesn't feel like it's dragging you down. It feels like it's very connected to the earth because it is. And then you go to say studio Rick Joy and his walls of around his studio, uh, probably over a meter thick of rammed earth 
and you know they tower well above you as well and then you go into the courtyard and he has one entire wall of glass mm. which is reflective of the reflecting the wall on the other side which is rammed earth and at the end there's just a very simple little pond and gravel thing and you go through a glass door and a glass wall and that takes you into the studio and the studio looks out into that area with it the thing that you're saying about light was from the time we arrived and the time we left the light shifted on the rammed earth wall and it was being reflected in the glass wall mm. and so you were in this very modern like modernist structure made of one very modern material on this side and then something that's a million years old on the other side and informed and i yeah i think about what you're telling me with light and i'm going oh yeah like the way it came through and filtered through the the different pock marks and the you know where the rammed earth had degraded over 30 years you know and stuff like that and how it felt very safe connected and real very secure yeah, yeah. it's similar to what you have in in churches yes. throughout history light was such an important factor uh-huh. in, in how people connect how people would feel inside the churches and how that could elevate even their faith or or anything because you you really connect to everything on the yeah. outside because of light how you shape the the entering of that light in the space you can yeah. easily connect that person in a interior to the land to the to the landscape Oh, I love that. I love that. So uh, just out of interest, have you been to Barcelona? No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so I was lucky enough to go last year to a conference and went to Gaudi's Cathedral there. And mm. it's very unusual in the sense that most cathedrals, when you're saying about churches, the stained glass is very much up around the top and it's quite dark. And the cathedral... It is got different colored walls of light of glass, and the glass comes down quite low. So one's blues and greens, and others yellows and reds. You know, and so each one, each of the different ones, whites and, and grays, each one of them represents a different mood or a different. And so does the architecture. So I'm going to go too far on that. But just like you're saying, we went to a mass one morning so that we could experience it. And the light that we were getting was completely different from the light that we were getting in the afternoon because the building is designed to have a completely different light experience inside it. It's somewhere needs to be on your bucket list because <laughs> just what you said, well, you would need to sit in there all day. Yeah. You you could sit in there all day and you would go, oh, there would be, it would be like being in a gold mine, <laughs> just watching how it comes about. So tell me about AI, because we, where we're headed with artificial intelligence and what you do with your, and call your artwork, <laughs> the kind of art artwork that you're producing and how you see this this sharp fast moving and shifting world with ai and i know that from our conversation before that you were saying 
you've been playing in this space and you use it a lot. Um, tell me a bit about that and and how you embrace it and treat me as if I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, the one of the challenges that I have is I mostly work nowadays for the furniture design mm-hmm. industry. So I create the spaces for designers to show their products and collections and how they will present a marketing campaign through animation and, and, and imagery. And what I try to do is create a project for them. So that's that's a real challenge for me, not having a technical background in architecture or interior design, but I still offer a service that is creating an architecture, creating mm-hmm. an interior design project and a styling project for that specific space to showcase their their products and ai is very helpful for me nowadays because i use it to help me with the concepts to help me with the the styles of different styles of architecture different styles of interior design to create overall idea and Mm -hmm. then to develop further with the client with the with with the the 3d software that i use Uh so it's just one of the use practical uses for me of AI, but I, I'm using ChatGPT for everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From learning new things. So this week yeah. was such an interesting thing that happened. I was creating a scene in 3D and I was having the challenge to adjust adjust some details in lighting. And 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 I was just talking to ChatGPT to find out what was happening, what was the, the 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 problem with that specific scenario, and it was spot on on the on the the issue that I was having. As soon as I fixed it, it the the, the scene was working again. So from these things, more technical and more practic- practical with my work, to learning learning things about relationships about psychology and so it's such a a vast impact at least in my life now even Mm -hmm. with with us just touching the tip of the iceberg because Mm. it's just the beginning but uh, yeah i think that the 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 potential it has to visualization to architecture and design is tremendous I've been using mostly Midjourney, which is one of the tools to generate images from text. So you have oh, like okay, prompts. yeah, yeah. You have many many possibilities in terms of generating images and 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 visual concepts with AI. One of the 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 ways is by prop- prompting some text. So you you mm-hmm. type things, and the AI will generate some ideas. You keep refining it until you find out that you reach a really good result. But you can also use images as the base, the starting point. So sometimes I create the concept in 3D, take it to the software, create yeah. a new concept from there and bring it back to the computer, to the to the 3D software. So, so it's are... like having an amazing employee or amazing helper that goes yeah let me let me just look at that for you and you know but they've got this resource that is global behind them that they go "Mm, this might be interesting to you or this might be interesting to you or this would be the options that's pretty incredible 
Yeah, we are now seeing the build-up of infrastructure in terms of software using mm -hmm. AI. From uh, the next years, in, in the next years, we'll see the the end result of this infrastructure, which is new software, new apps. The things that we will use in the future are not. Yeah, there, there's nothing yet, but. It's it's just there. It there probably is, but we're not allowed it yet. <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't given it to us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's pretty fascinating when you think that you know you would be able to go, okay, say for instance for an architect or an interior designer or a furniture designer, they could go. This is my portfolio of of work. This is what I want to communicate visually. This is what I want to communicate you know in the written form this is the stories i want to communicate and ai could take that and create you know their website and their collateral data or you know collateral marketing stuff and and be able to refine it and play with it as a tool you know like it's not it's not actually whilst it's doing the work it's not actually it's you that's driving it it's you that's prompting it to get yeah. there you're still making the decisions along the way it's just giving you the options mm. a highly efficient way I, i'd say yeah it's yeah the, the new version of this software that i'm using just came out this week and it's it's stunning it's really something that i, I remember the first idea that I, I had with ai was i think i'll in a in a couple of years i'll be able to create a film that's really my 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 yeah. dream as as a kid. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I I always thought about wow, maybe I could one day create a Pixar film. Right. I think everyone that works with three D has that feeling in in a in some some way because it's such a a, a great way to communicate something to mm -hmm. tell a story mm -hmm. to someone else. Mm -hmm. and and to articulate your imagination in in a form that someone else can understand clearly so i remember talking to my wife and say oh i think it will take me 15 20 years to be able to create a film using ai and now it's something that maybe in three two years we'll be able yeah. to see re it, it will be a real shift in the in the film industry every every kind of industry but in hollywood in, yeah in all for sure it will change everything yeah I, I i i totally agree i think that we are standing on the edge of probably the biggest revolution that most of us well maybe not you know, anybody that's probably 60 or more is probably going to see in their lifetime this is going to be more than you know it'd be like the car It'll be yeah. like, you know, the discovery of benzene, you know, or oil and, and how you could make it, you know, run an engine. It will be, yeah, that's going to change so many things, just so many things. And at such speed that I think, I imagine, well, already AI is doing so many things that we are touching. You know, you just think of the algorithms and stuff that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, any of these things use, there's not some bunch of, you know, written full of people going, oh, Adrian thinks this, 
<laughs> Rodrigo thinks this. It's all computer. It's all AI that's doing it already. It's yeah. already being driven by a, a learning tool and it's learning you and learning how to excite you and what, you know, when you want what, what times of the day, where you are, what you do. It's mapping you as a as a person and then it's finding all the other people that have similar things and it's mapping them and then it's making assumptions between those things. Um, and it's been doing that for quite a few years. I mean, something like, you know, um, chat GPT is like, it's not new. It's been, they've been working on it for a long time. Yeah, We're just yeah, experiencing true. it in this moment because they've no, allowed we- us to play. Exactly. They yeah. launched now, but it's from five years yeah. ago. Now, yeah, they are developing it further, but it's yeah, it's not today's technology. It's something from a couple of years. And, yeah, yeah, and refining itself as it goes. Exactly. I think that's the that's the thing that excites lots of people with AI is that we'll reach a point to where. AI will develop itself. It, yes. It's, it's. I, they call it singul- singularity. It's a, such an interesting concept. Concept that is how AI will self-develop yep. so quickly, so in an unprecedented way that we as humans will kind of lose contact with the changes, with the shifts that are happening in society. Yeah. And, and listening to your researcher last week, he was saying that we are not so far away from this inter- general intelligence, artificial general intelligence, as they call it, AGI. Yeah. And and the consequence of that would be singularity. So, yeah, it's... Mm. <laughs> so when you're creating, like, let's just go to the movie thing, and yeah. let's not say, you know, about you creating necessarily a feature film at this point, but like you're using it in, re- as you say, every day you're using it, but you're creating already like small films that are very um, purposeful about whether what they're communicating, you know, mm. whether that's for the lighting or for furniture and stuff like that, as opposed to just, I shouldn't say just, as opposed to static images. Mm. And I know some of the ones with your lighting stuff that you've done are really fascinating. I've watched them and the way the light shifts and changes and it becomes alive and plays and engages you, even though it's a an object. But, you know, it's like the Pixar when they have the, you know, the, the lamp. lamp. Yeah, the lamp <laughs> that jumps across. It's that and you're doing that playfulness in a really really elegant way tell me about how you develop it and then when i say how you develop it not the function of developing it but you're developing stories where does that come from where did the stories come from well i think adrian that it started when i i wanted to communicate a interior design project or an architecture project in a way that it would impact people yes I think for me, what really changes my vibration and my energy is music. It's how the piano for me, my, my grandmother is a piano teacher and, and I've, I've been with piano throughout my life, uh-huh. just playing, creating things and, and music 
it's the thing that gives me the the goosebumps that yes it changes my my emotions my my feelings and everything so what i try to do with animation is really take that idea take that concept or product and and deliver it in a way that really connects to the emotional side of people that can really people that that people can really experience that that object or that project that house in a way that they leave aside their minds for a while uh-huh. and connect deeply with their hearts and and their soul so i think that animation has the potential to to connect with the 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 more deeper layers of our psycholo- psychology uh-huh. and, and that's really what moves me i love that tell me a bit more about the music side of it because i know i had read that about you with some of the stuff and that was one of the things before i reached out to say hey i'd love to talk to you further was mm-hmm. i was reading in one of your posts about the music and how it so influences how you think and when I look at the animations and stuff that you create, I get it. I get it. It's like it's like it's yeah. It, it's like there's music in it, whether there is music in it or not. There's, there's music in it. There's a rhythm. There's a tempo. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a mood. There's a your know, music is such a incredible resource because it shifts, as you say, emotions and. I've had, got a couple of podcasts, one with a guy, Peter Tui, but a couple of podcasts there which are around how music and architecture relate. Mm. Like it, it, how how even like a full song or a full piece of music has a relationship just like opening a door and then moving through a space and when it gets louder and quieter and bigger and bolder or more light, less light, you know, all these things, that's what songs do. That's uh, They take us in these emotional journeys. So tell me more about that from your perspective and then creating animation. Yeah, I think we are all driven by contrast. Contrast is what really makes us understand the world. If if we see a white circle on a, on a white background, it's, it's nothing, and that's that's where our brains start to get some information, but also attention. And I think music, for me, since the beginning, was an expression of art that I was really comfort comfortable with. While I, I was telling you that with hand drawings, I was very insecure. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt that I I couldn't draw, I I wasn't. Although I I create digital art, it was always a f- a point of fragility for me. Yeah, the two D type of drawing. Yeah, and and music was the opposite. Music was playful, was joy, was exploring the new a new world. So I remember my my grandmother is a very technical and and formal. Uh, yep. piano teacher <laughs> she really got crazy with me because i i would sit in the in the in the stool in in a very un, unusual <laughs> way and play it very uh yeah you didn't you didn't formally sit straight with your back and do exactly. these things and just hold your hands perfectly you just played you just i just played and playful 
Yeah, exactly. And integrated with the instrument, with the mm -hmm. with the piano in a way that I would be able to create something new. So mm -hmm. she's the type of person that she plays everything, classical music in easily. Yes. For me, it's very hard. I'm really good in creating music, in, yeah. in creating new songs and, and playing with that. And I think that ability or that that joy of music, of creating music, translates in, in, in animation, in how I will create a, a space and a, a feeling of, uh, of joy or, mm -hmm. or, or, or drama or, or romance. For people that are watching one of my one of my animations animations huh. I, love so I usually that. i usually start with 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 music when i'm creating a a new animation for a product for example i tend to listen to a lot of music and connect with the music that relates to the product at right. least in a in a subliminal way in a, yes. in a very subtle layer as it looks like an intuition thing uh -huh. but in the end you feel that it connects so it there might be layers of technical things that i i'm unaware of, of yes but yeah in general i feel that as soon as i choose the right music for that specific product yeah things flow really easily that's incredible i love that i love that because it's I wonder, and I'd be really interested from listeners, especially creatives in this space of either music or in architecture or design in some sense, if they would like to, you know, comment on how they also let music lead them into the journey. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I love music, but it certainly doesn't do, it, it takes me places. There's no doubt about that. It takes me often fantasy lands of all kinds. Yet I don't use it when I'm designing in mm -hmm. that way. And now I want to go and go, go and try that. I want to go and see what happens. I was talking to an architect years ago and he was saying, you know, a client once gave him a poem and said, design me a home. Oh, I think I've and, listened to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I go, this is incredible. You know, like it it really is it's it's very real in the fact that you are taking an emotional interpretation of your emotions and then trying to turn that into something physical in a form that's going to be in the built structure, you know, like and how you determine those things. And I know for me, I love to go and sit on a site and watch the sun and listen to the land. And I say the land, it might be the earth creaking, it could be the wind in the grass, it could be the, you know, a tree just rustling, it could be something moving, it could be the way the birds, you know, they sort of chirp up and then they just die down and they chirp up and they die down. Then it's not just a consistent dick, dick, dick sort of thing. And then, you know, all those different layers of those getting very present with them. Mm. That's when I start to become inspired. Like I go, Oh, but it's not, it's, yeah, it's different and the same. And, and I don't, that doesn't necessarily 
inspire the architecture it inspires me of the place where the architecture will be mm-hmm. that's that's more where it is so, so it fascinates me this musical thing <laughs> keeps coming back around and actually jeffrey dungan was one of the first podcasts he had a guitar on the wall and i said do you play that and he said yeah and i said he went and he got went and got it and he played it on the podcast and i was Very like cool. oh i love that <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a musician like I don't play but I really appreciate so mm, I love that I thing think... of your story of being really formally tied with your grandmother's like you know this is technically how we do it yeah and and then just approaching it from a playful way more um, rebellious way as well. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't I couldn't make it the way she wanted but yeah in the end it, it was very transformative in my life to be close to that universe of music yeah well yeah. i think also the architect that you worked for very early on where he wanted you to hand draw the things and you know you you as you say you, it wasn't your space to do that and then it also drove you on the other side of it so you learnt from doing this to get to that he would have been more like your grandmother in the sense of formally drawing it even though he was emotionally attached to it it's Mm. a similar story like it's a repeating story and then you were rebellious again and went okay but i need to do it this way and then such an an interesting perspective (laughs) that i've i've never yeah yeah it's it was similar things it was it was inspiring for me, yes. but it wasn't the end point. That yeah, yeah. it's just a part of a journey. Exactly, I love that. So tell me your with being this creator. I want to go to one of these questions, which is about emotions, and I, want, I actually have got a couple of questions, but one is going to be. Because you design all these virtual spaces, rather than asking you what's your favorite space and where you live now, what is the most, what what would be the space that you would want to connect with most that you could create virtually? So Mm -hmm. if you had to, if you're creating something just for you Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna I wanna know what that would be because you've got you know the world at your fingertips, you could create a thousand of them, you know, so quickly. So what would be the one and why? Digitally speaking. Yeah, digitally speaking, and why and what emotion would it evoke for you? And then how does that make your life better? Mm. There's a lot of questions in there. It's a hard one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what interests me the most is the contact with the unknown the contact with the the different universes the different planets i think that's where it really creates something deep in my in my mind in terms of belonging in terms of where are you are we heading towards so i remember i always remember the the interstellar film which is one of my favorite and the idea of life in different planets, life in in different realms. And I think if I would create something for me, it would be 
something surreal in that sense of out of this world, but a, a place of comfort, a place where we you, you could really connect with people, connect with your inner your spirit, I would say. Wow. But and yeah. Yeah, no, and if you created that space digitally, how would it how would it impact your life in the sense of how you live and breathe physically mm. now and you think now if you were to go and create that space would it become a sanctuary for you would it become where you want to spend all your time i try to remember back to what was the you know really early on on the internet there was this uh digital other digital world ah, the second life second yeah life. second life yes yeah. did you do <laughs> did you do second life no 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 i haven't but so, uh, yeah i remember clearly the the, the yeah so second life and and you know there was this big worry that kids would go to second life and never come back you know they'd just <laughs> sit in the corner of their room and never you know just eat the minimum amount of food and just be locked in there in the dark but instead they didn't go to second life they went to Fortnite. you know like it's yeah. like <laughs> they went somewhere else yeah so yeah if you created this kind of space um yeah what would it do for you emotionally yeah it's it's i think i think the 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 sanctuary idea as you said is something that came to my come to to my mind but i think that the integration with of physical and digital it's where my my head goes the most right in terms of i think the development of the technology is leading us towards dematerialization let's say mm -hmm. In the sense that we are able to experience the digital or the more emotional side sides mm -hmm. of our our soul our spirit but it's still in the real world so i think that we'll see in the next steps of technology and robotics and ai we'll we'll see a, a merge of digital and physical in a way that will really impact our experience of the world the world so imagine ju just to clarify what I'm what I'm I'm talking about is imagine a, a a room in a house that is just screens. There are only screens on the walls, and you can really integrate and create a a space that changes dynamically and that relates to your emotions, to your experience in 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 a given moment in your life. So I think that's where excites me the most. The, the new jobs, Adrian, the, the new things that are coming that we have we have no idea of, yeah. of the the professions and, and the jobs of the future because they are yet to be discovered. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think that fascinates me, the, the possibility of bringing what is digital to the real world mm. and also integrating what's real in the digital world. I love that. I love that. I think that when I used to train in innovation, train people in innovation and problem solving, you know, we used to have this thing that 
something needs to be close enough to what already exists so that it's understood and people can go on the journey to it, but far enough away that it's exciting and worth making the journey to. So it, car producers do this reasonably well. You know, they take a model like, say, a Stingray Corvette, and it, it just it, it morphs itself a little bit each thing. But there's got to be a reason to upgrade it, not just because it's got a better engine or something or whatever it is. It's taking you on a journey. And you look at what's happened with cars, with the advent of electric cars. It's shifted again, like that sort of car journey. And we're right at the very beginning of where it's going to head to because it's going it's to take the other one out. It's actually, it's going to eat the other one. It's gone. It's mm. just when it's gone. And then, you know, you think of like even used cars as the example again. We used to like, well, we still do. We buy cars that are painted. Mm. Yet, why are we buying painted cars? Why aren't we just buying wrapped cars? Mm. Because, yeah. you know, like you the other day I'm standing beside a Lamborghini and and in the same day I was standing beside a Ferrari, both of them were wrapped. Wow. They were yeah. whatever color they were underneath, they were whatever color. It doesn't really matter. They were wrapped for the owner mm. to be whatever they were. And you start going, you know, for I don't know, four or five thousand dollars, you can change the color of your car and protect the original paintwork that's under it. But you you can start to play, you can start to customise, you can start to deliver new experiences. Mm. And this integration thing that you're saying, I think, is, yeah, really exciting. It's got yeah. legs. It's got legs. Mm. Mm. If there was uh, one thing that... Uh, I, I know you're going to tell me your movie, so I don't really want that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, hold on. If there was one client or kind of client that you would love to work with that would extend your thinking and blow your mind so that you had to, you know, use all, every bit of AI you could lay your hands on to keep up with, mm. um, <laughs> what kind of thing would it be? I think what interests me the most nowadays is how people are, are aligned with their brands. I think when I see authenticity in a personal level, reflecting on the business level, that's what excites me the most. Because then I can, I, I'm able to provide something else in terms of value because they are already connected to their truth. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> because because I what, what I what I see sometimes is a type of an attempt to conform to the market. When I when when I'm talking about mm -hmm. brand and design brands, any product brands or interior design, you, you, we can clearly see the trends. We can mm -hmm. clearly see that there is a movement that is made by the market, and there are lots of people following the trend which is natural and expectable that's why it becomes a trend exactly exactly yeah. but at the same time i feel that the the ones that are able to because it it, it requires a little bit of cor cor courage yeah to be able to detach from the trend from yeah. the trend and really create something that is 
emotionally and and deeply connected to their to themselves and to their brands mm. i think that's what excites me because i'm able to provide a much more customizable service and and something that i can enhance the value of the brand mm. i love that i love that i think it's yeah it's 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 so i want to say real because because of course it is real it mm, that when you can get deep authenticity you're like you, you you can't do it any other way your souls can meet you can you can drop to the same level mm. and there's no barriers it's it's like uh, yeah it, it buddhists have a term layers of the, oh, the layers of, that of of nothing you know the exactly. layers just unpeeling them layers um, of things that we think that will be good for the business good for ourselves and in reality are getting in the way of something really that could be good for yeah that 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 the clothes you know that the emperor's clothes are the pieces that are on top not the pieces that are in the middle exactly. not the heart of it mm. <laughs> that is very profound i love that and i think that it's if we could get to that and it's really an exercise and you know I shouldn't even say an exercise it's a journey into mindfulness and it's a journey into self without being self-absorbed it's it's a journey into being you know allowing yourself to be part of everything my wife had a little clip the other day that she showed me and it was the Dalai Lama was saying he was asked you know with all these children today that have such high anxiety and everything else he what should we do and he said they need to stop looking inward and start looking outward mm. because that yeah just they need to be part of the world they need to give not wait to you know not what's in it for them they need to look out and it, connect and i went that's profound <laughs> it's interesting because it used to be the opposite because in the past we would say oh you have to look in inward inward and mm -hmm. and to find yourself but now we are so much inward in our <laughs> bubbles that we need to connect to the that's that's because very... we've switched over on the connection mm. where we're connecting yeah without the real connection without that it's it's like the difference between we're on zoom now mm. and if we were sitting talking the connection is like at a whole nother level the nuances yeah. you know the environment everything starts to allow us to be different that again go back to the dalai lama there was a question like i'll oh, have this wrong so people who know the the truth of it you know just run with me on this he was asked if he was to meet somebody i can't remember who it was what would he want to do that will ask them i think it was do and ask them and he said he would just sit with them <laughs> and if he had half an hour he would just sit with them there was no need for words he would just sit with them yeah and because he knows that he can be at one hmm. and again it, it, that, 
being present and being in the space doesn't need to be filled. Interesting you said that because yesterday I was reading someone within the chat GPT application. Yep. They asked the, the AI to create a new emotion. Just it's so, so interesting idea. Just create a new emotion that we are not aware of. And the, the response was quite impactful, at least for me, because yeah. the, the response was a sense of integration of with other people. As, it's an emotion where people unite them, themselves in term, in, in around something that they agree fundamentally in, and they could connect to each other in a very deep level. And the result emotion of that is a sense of awe, a sense of integration that have never been experienced by us. So, yeah, it's what so you're saying. Buddhists have a, a term that they use often called molten, mm. when something becomes molten. And it's when, and I may have this wrong for Buddhists who are listening, please correct me <laughs> if I've got it wrong. Uh, in, in meditation at points, you become molten and everything just flows together. You're, it's like the particles of you are the particles of everything else that's around you and everything. You are at one with the rhythm of the world, with everything at that point. And I have a Buddhist friend who would tell me of this experience of being molten and just being so at one in one place in this space at the time that, yeah, you become just another particle of dust. Mm. You, you get down to your simplest form and that's being molten. So, well, I may have that wrong. Buddhists, please, <laughs> please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, fascinating conversation, Rodrigo. I really, really, really have enjoyed this. And I would encourage everybody, we're going to post all Rodrigo's socials, et cetera, et cetera. I would encourage you to go and look and listen and see much like me when I discovered him and his work I was intrigued and went I mean I see a lot of this kind of work went there's something beyond and we just got to it then at the end what it is beyond it's that connection and it's that authenticity and it's the journey of, of discovery and having courage to discover that makes you who you are and without a doubt and that's why you're an artist as well as you know, in business and creating things, but you truly come from the artistic point of view of how creativity is. It's been joyful talking with you. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. I, I was really happy with the invite, and yeah, it was really great. And I'm just, I'm set up for the rest of the week. <laughs> at <laughs> least, <laughs> at least. And my daughter lives in Brisbane, so we will catch up and catch up for coffee and stuff i will make sure that i make it time that when i'm coming down i'll let you know and yeah amazing I'd love to love to actually hang out in person and also discover more things that again with listeners please contact us more things that you could answer around the subjects and around your work and how the ai integration in this fast fast moving world is going to change and where we're going to end up because i believe that with your attitude and your knowledge and your curiosity 
you're going to be well in tune with where it goes to. Yeah, yeah it's been a fascinating journey. So I've, I think I've never been so excited, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that just talking to you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> energized. A hundred percent. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And we will be talking again soon. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.